Hallelujah. I, Andrew, I just love you, my brother. I mean, I, I don't know anybody that can uh, make something ordinary sound so exceptional, do you? <laughs> well, it's just such an honor to be here. And um, I, I, those of you that have heard my wife and I speak here before, you know, we love this church. We, we absolutely love this church. And if God hadn't told us clearly that we needed to be in Rosebank, then we'd be here in a heartbeat. Amen. <laughs> All right, so if the prayer warriors are here, you just get hold of God's number and you never know, okay? But uh, it is just such an honor. We love your senior pastors. We love your assistant pastors. We love each of you. And uh, it is just such an honor to be back here again this morning. And, um, and uh, as, as Pastor Andrew said, I kind of feel that kind of that... Um, that uh, that in between place, which you know what, more and more people are realizing it's not so in between. It's kind of normal. And um, and when Pastor Carol called me and said, "Would you please wrap up the last part of our of our legacy of our focus series and speak on legacy?" I said, "I would love to. I'd love to get out here and I'd love to just share what God's done in our lives and what I believe God's going to be doing in your lives too." And so uh, it is such a privilege for us to partner. Now I know that you guys have been doing a fair amount. And so this, I think, is the final in that series. And I'm so glad when, when Pastor Carol told me about the, 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 the way that you've gone through it, I just said that makes so much sense. Because you've got to start, number one, our relationship with God. right? Because first and foremost, it's about reestablishing that love connection with Him. Because if we haven't got that love connection with Him, we can never think about having a true love connection with others. And then, of course, clean slate. All's been forgiven. Dropping all that baggage because it's hard to do what God's called you to do when you're hanging, when the past's trying to kind of pull you back, right? And it's important that we drop that and we treat it the way God treats it. He separates us as far as the east is from the west, amen? And then I know you guys went on and spoke about prayer and fasting and you did a whole week of prayer and fasting. And I know that God does incredible things during prayer and fasting because it puts us in a place where we're more able to hear His voice, doesn't it? You know, when kind of like we put aside some of those things that just fill our lives, you know, like, uh, like food and uh, television. And, and when we just cut some of that stuff out and all of a sudden our bodies go like, hey, I'm not comfortable. God can speak, doesn't he? Try it. If you've never fasted before, I want to encourage you to try it because you'll be surprised what God says to you. And then connecting and finally volunteering. And all of those are awesome things that God has called us, not just Ramsuk, but a broader family. Those are things that as a broader family we hold on to and we value. And we say, God, we want you to show us. And this, this morning, I'd like to talk about legacy. And that's, what's the impact that each of us are going to make? Of course, all of those are critical for that impact. But, but once we're gone, what's left behind? What is it that people are going to think of and say of us? And, and what's going to be represented? Where are people going to say, wow, I see a little bit of Dorian in, in that ministry that's left behind? Or, or, or Dominic, his son, I see Dorian inside of there. There's a legacy of who he's left behind. There's some deposit of what he's done in his son's life. And friends, I believe that God is calling us to live a higher life. Not just way beyond ourselves. Not for our own means, not just for our own ability, not just for our own kind of like to, to, to just make our own ends meet, but that he wants us to live way, way beyond that. If you believe that, say amen. And I believe God wants to have us look at what are the lives that have been touched, the destinies that have been birthed, the kingdom of God that has been advanced as a result of you and I having been 
in that place at that time for that season. Amen. And so, this morning, I'm going to just tell you a little bit about my life. I really just want to talk, if that's okay, you know. I just want to tell you a bit about where God's taken me. And I'm still only, I'm a very young 48-year-old, all right? Very, very young, you know. And I'll tell you a bit about how young in a few moments. But I was thinking about this, and as I was thinking and preparing for this morning, I heard God say to me, Dorian, I want you to tell people about your passions. I said, but God, legacy, and as I, as I started asking the question, it became so obvious. Because if you want to leave a legacy in a certain area, it's probably going to be around your passions. It's going to be those things that consume your thinking, those things that consume your time, those things in which you invest money, finances, resources, time. It's those things that you value. And so I said, Lord, let me have a check. Let me check those passions of mine because if some of those aren't going to advance your kingdom, then I need to get rid of some of those passions. And so I started thinking about some of the passions. And of course, besides God, this is the primary next passion in my life, okay? Those of you that know my wonderful wife, Belinda, I think she might be ministering to you in a few weeks' time. I remember the very first day I met her. She was leading worship, all right? And I want to tell you guys, I, I, I fell in love with the Spirit of God inside of her. I think I must have been about 20, 21 years old. She was a little younger than that. And, uh, and I, I just remember, man, I was captivated by the Spirit of God inside of her. And it was about three weeks later when we were ministering together on an outreach in a township somewhere. And she was behind the guitar, and I was holding a microphone like this one. Well, not as nice as this one, but I was holding a microphone. And I turned to her to ask her to play something, and as I did, God said to me, she's going to be your wife. So I knew very early on. I didn't tell her right there and then, okay? I might have freaked her out a bit, but I knew that there was something. And I want to tell you that this woman consumes me. I am consumed by her passion for Jesus. I'm consumed by her love for God. She just, she just wants to, and, and that passion and, cons, and the house she's consumed with God just leads her just to say, Lord, I want to experience new ways to worship you. And when she experiences these new ways to worship him, she, then she says, well, I want to help others experience those new ways to worship you, Lord. And so you'll hear her, and I'm sure she'll be speaking on the topic closest to her heart, which is worship. And I want to tell you that part of my passion and part of my destiny and part of my legacy is seeing Belinda achieve what God has called her to do. And I want to encourage you, who is that most important, significant spouse or future spouse in your life? Because part of your legacy needs to be, God, I want to serve them. I want to love them. And I want to see them achieve much more than what anyone else ever thought they could. But your God, you knew they could. Amen. And then I thought, well, who are the other passions in my life there we go <clears throat> and i've got these two all right and there's my firstborn alexandra and um and i want to tell you I, i'm not allowed to call her my princess anymore i didn't realize that it would happen andrew you could have warned me friend you know i'm sorry but uh i tell you she's still my princess she's not here so i can say that and i'm so proud of her because uh, god has placed inside of alexandra something so unique She's the conscience in the Wrigley family. I mean, with Alex, there's no black 
Uh, there's only black or white. There's absolutely no gray. I remember one day we were sitting around with a family, and they were saying that they never ever read the set work books at school. They only read the study guides. And she was horrified. Said, you can't do that. In fact, she was so horrified that one day when I encouraged her to read a, set, a study guide to help her understand the book, she said, Dad, that's cheating. She'd read the whole book, she'd kind of, but any, you know, any kind of way of anyone kind of getting a, getting a better understanding of something that she hadn't developed herself, and that's what God's placed inside of her. Of course, it's challenging at times, because I'm kind of like, Alex, that's not reasonable. But I realized that God has created it in a certain way. And uh, there she is. I'm so proud of her last year. Uh, she finished primary school, and she got the top academic honors at, at Rodine. And I was, man, I tell you what, I was like, that's my girl. You know, man, you didn't need those study guides, babes. You did it. You know, you did it the way you felt God wanted you to do it. And so I'm so excited about my daughter. And then, of course, on the other side, there's my son. we Man United supporters. Hallelujah. And uh, we were blessed uh, earlier in the middle of last year to go out and watch a game. I'd never been there before. Obviously, he'd never been there before. And we were out there and we were just celebrating together and enjoying it. And I want to tell you, he's a nine-year-old just like any other nine-year-old. And, uh, yeah, you know, he doesn't have those same qualms about, uh, you know, about what's black and what's white that his sister does. So we have other challenges when it comes to Dominic, right? But I want to tell you that the legacy that I leave in those two is so critical in my life. Because I don't ever want them to go, God, yeah, he was okay for my mom and my dad, but they were never around. They were never there for us when, you know, and it's okay because we got on without them. See, I, I want to see them go so much further than Belinda and I ever, ever will go. And, and unless I know that they're a priority and I'm going to sow my life into them, it doesn't matter how many other souls I win for Christ. You know what? I would have failed if those two... Don't fall in love with Jesus. And why don't help them fall in love with Jesus by being the father that I'm meant to be to them. And so they are a key part of the de legacy and the destiny that God has given me. Then, of course, these are some other people that I'm so passionate about. These are the friends in my life. These are the men that God has placed around me. Over here, some of you might know this man over here. Is, uh, I can't reach, but over here on this, on this uh, jumping castle, we're having a board meeting, as you can see. Um, and uh, we've got some future board members there as well, just kind of hanging out with us. But that's Rob Gerard. Rob and I were at university together. When he was about to go to university, I met his mom. She called me and said, listen, please, will you look after my son for me? I said, look, I'll, I'll try. We bumped into each other a few times at university. Both ended up at his people, and God changed our lives. And from a very early student age, we just sensed there was something God was doing with us. And he... And Rob and I have built a business together. You know, well, God's built the business, but he's used Rob and I together. But I remember from the earliest of times, we were thinking about scheming about how can we do business? What can we buy? What can we sell? And I remember our very first investment was about 850 Rand for a fax machine. You guys know what a fax machine is? Okay, some of you, have, fax, what's a fax machine? Guys, there was no internet. There was no email. The only way you could communicate was either by landline, there were no mobile phones, or a fax machine, and this was like, whoa, fax machine, man. This is like the hottest piece of equipment out. But God took us, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that business. But then also, you probably recognize these two guys here, all right? Howard, our drummer, uh-huh, all right? Amen, and uh, that man, oh, man, I tell you, he is one of my best friends, Kuni Pretorius. And um, 
I heard Andrew just raving about him and Gina, and we just love them, and we just love what they're doing in children's ministry. But I want to tell you, this is one of our best, best friends. And we, we connect a lot, guys, on those things called bicycles. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, besides our wives, we probably spend two to five hours a week connecting on those things. And I want to tell you what a way for us to connect, to love God, to minister to each other, just to enjoy the, the beauty that God's given us. And that's another passion of mine. I mean, cycling. I just love cycling. I love what it does. I love, what, I love the way we connect with people. And as a result of that, that's opened up significant doors. And as a result of cycling, I've got to know some of the pros, some of the, some of the pros in cycling. And uh, you know what? These guys want to get married from time to time. And uh, they don't often know that many pastors out there. And um, next month, I will be doing my fourth wedding as a result of people in the cycling industry that I've gotten to know. And this gives us an opportunity to spend time with them, to disciple them, to put them through our pre-marriage training course, and just make sure that God's building some great godly and biblical foundations. But I would never have met these guys if I wasn't passionate about something called bicycles and cycling. And it's opened up doors. But even though I'm having fun on my bicycle, I'm constantly saying, God, how are you going to use this to build your kingdom? What are you going to do? Who do you want me to touch? And you meet all sorts of people from all walks of life. You know, and some people that your, your mom told you not to hang out with. Even some of those kinds of people. But you know what? They all need Jesus. And they all need to know that Jesus loves them. And Jesus died for them. And he has a plan and a purpose for their life. And you know what? When you hang out with some of those people, some of them hear it, some of them don't. But you're there and you love and you support and you're doing something that you're enjoying out there as well. And so, friends, what are the other passions? I want to tell you, I, I love the church. I absolutely love the church. God loves the church. Because he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's why I spend so much of my time in the church. I spend so much of my time just serving as an elder, serving up, thinking about the city, thinking about how God wants to extend His plan and His purpose through the church in the city. Uh, thinking about how we can serve our pastors and our senior leaders and just saying, God, how do we do this? How do we build this? How do we become more effective at what we're doing? Amen. And friend, the last thing as I was thinking is, I'm passionate about the marketplace. I'm passionate about the world out there, the business world, the economic system, about education, about government. Why? Because, friends, that's where people hang out. They hang out in the marketplace. And that's why I believe Paul made tents. You know, he made tents not just so that he could eat. Of course, it was important that he eats, and he didn't want to be a drain on people. And so he made tents to earn a living. But I believe Paul also made tents because he knew he needed to be in the middle of the marketplace. I believe Paul's tents were probably some of the highest quality tents you could get out there. I believe he had a reputation par excellence in the marketplace. And that's where he met people like Lydia, sellers of purple. All right? This Lydia, seller of purple, and purple was and you know was a was a very, very important, you know, it, it wasn't a common material. So she would sell it to the richest of rich, right? And Paul meets her, and she becomes a leader, an apostolic leader in the body of Christ, because Paul meets her in the marketplace. Why do you think the silversmiths and the, the blacksmiths really had it in for Paul? 
If he was some kind of like, you know, some guy in the synagogue just kind of like doing his thing, they wouldn't have cared. But he was in the marketplace, the place where they're trying to sell all their goods, right? And he's out there selling tents and he's criticizing, saying this is not what God intends. He's in the marketplace and he talks about and he, and he gets with the people and he says, you know what, you, you have this, 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 um, you know, you have this kind of um, this, uh, this uh, sacrifice to the unknown God. Let me tell you about this unknown God. This God that you guys don't know because I happen to know him. So he gets there. He understands the culture. He understands where people are at. He understands what makes the world tick. And friends, how many of you know that what makes this world tick is real life? Earning, spending, buying groceries, trying to make ends meet, trying to figure out. That's the marketplace. How many people out there are busy with marketplace issues and not here. And those are the people that God wants us to reach. And part of our legacy and the destiny and the calling that he has for us. And so, as a result of this passion, this marketplace passion that God was arising inside of me. And I, I didn't quite figure it out. I didn't quite know how it all fits into God's plan originally. But God knew. And one day, Rob and I were sitting down and he found himself in between jobs. And we started a company called Umbono, which means vision. And this company, Umbono, now is a, an investment company in natural resources. It took us a while to get there, but, you know, and I don't have time to go into all the details, but now we invest in natural resources, and I'll tell you about some of these investments. But folks, when we started this company, we said, God, what is it that you want us to do? What is the legacy that you want us to leave behind? And when we looked at this, we said, God, we believe there is a new way, there's a different way to do business. That doesn't mean a business that's not profitable, because I don't believe God <laughs> wants businesses that are not profitable. Right? Because if you're in business, you're there to make an economic profit. But you're not only there to make an economic profit. And we said, Lord, we want to see business change. We invest in mining resources. And we looked at the mining, the, the legacy that the mining industry has left in this nation. There's a lot of junk. There's a lot of sadness there. Let me give you one. Migrant labor. We'll leave the women and the children in the Eastern Cape, and we'll bring the men up to the Transvaal. To mine our gold. As a result, you have a generation of young men and women that have grown up without fathers in the home. How do you build a strong nation if they grow up without their fathers at home? We said, God, when we design mines, we're going to design mines in such a way that we're not going to have hostels where men are taken from their families, but we're going to build communities where families will come, build together in those communities, we'll establish churches so that families can thrive and benefit and grow. And that's one of the things that God started challenging us. And so when we've designed our minds, that's exactly the way we've done it. And we trust in God that we're going to see those minds come into fruition and they're going to be, those shafts will be sunk and those communities will be built and developed. The other thing we did was we said, Lord, we want to give. We want to set aside, and we've got about almost 25%. We said we want to set aside 25% of our company into broad-based empowerment trusts that are going to develop communities, that are going to develop people. So we've got an education trust. What this trust does is it looks for some of the smartest, brightest, young, previously disadvantaged kids that are going to schools that are just not able to expand their full potential. And we take them and we put them in some of the best schools in this country. So we've got a couple of kids. We've got them at the St. John's and the, you know, the St. Mary's and, and schools like that all over the country. 
And we've had this going for a while. And we've got over 20 children that have gone through this process that are now at university and studying and honoring God in what they're doing. And so we said, God, we want to do this differently. And I believe God has honored us and God has done that as a result. Now, I, I'm taking a lot more time. But you, I want to just go into a little bit about... Um, about my journey. And you kind of say, well, is that really what God wants? Well, I do believe it is what God wants because in Psalm 24 and verse 1, he says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You see, it's not just the church is the Lord's and everything in the church, but the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so as the church, we need to say, well, as God's representatives, God, we need to go and claim back that entire earth for you, right? It's not going to happen if we just say, Lord, pray, but it's going to happen when we pray and when God says, I want you to go into that area, we go. Amen. And so that's what God's done. Now, now what did ha- how did it happen in my life? Well, I was a young 16-year-old. God turned my life around. And back then, the only way to really serve God was to go to Bible school and become a pastor. I remember those days, Pastor Andrew. Now, I, that's what I was going to do. I put my name down. I was finishing my matric, and, um, and I was ready to go. But there was one spanner in the works, and that was my mother. Now, my mother is a godly woman. She brought us up from yay high in Sunday school, like uh, Kun and Gina and the, the other great volunteers are running. And I got saved at a very young age, but I got turned on at about the age of 16. Filled with the Holy Spirit, and you know, I wish it had been earlier, but for me it happened at the age of 16. Completely turned around. And so I was, com- I was committed. Bible school, the only way you really serve God. Mom said, well, you know what, I don't know any pastors that can feed their families, so my boy... Um, so a woman of faith, as you can tell, right? So I, she said, my boy, you can go to Bible school, but first you're going to go to university. I looked at her. I was shocked. I prayed. I was on my knees. I was saying, God, speak to my mom. And yet she wouldn't move from this. And I had a dilemma because the Word of God says, honor your parents. And she wasn't asking me to kind of like take drugs or stuff. She was saying, listen, you can go to Bible school, but first you're going to go to university. Friends, I want to tell you that that woman that I thought was acting in fear, God was using incredibly. Because at university, I bumped into this crazy bunch of people called His people. And all of a sudden, God started showing me that there is a calling and a purpose and a destiny that might be to the church. In other words, as a fivefold office minister in the church, where we're discipling, where, you know, as Pastor Andrew and Pastor Carol disciple all of us. But for a lot of us, in fact, for most of us, that calling is a fivefold or an office calling or a purpose and a destiny outside of what we understand to be the local church. And all of a sudden, those passions that I thought were just like the devil, you know, that passion for business, the passion to see, you know, the passion to see kind of funds coming into the kingdom of God, the passion to see kind of business. I just thought, no, that's just the devil. That's just kind of, that's not God because God wants me to go and preach and become a pastor. All of a sudden, I started realizing that if I hadn't been obedient to the word of my mother, I would have missed a call of God in my life that he had preordained and predestined. And so I want to encourage you, amen. God puts people in your life, and you need to realize when those voices of God come into your life, you need to say, God, is this you? And you need to look at those and those people that God has placed around you, because if I had decided to ignore my mother, Look, God would have blessed me, I'm sure. I'm sure I would have had a great church, and I'm sure I would have been loving God. But I know now when I look back that if I had done that, I would have missed out on a key part of God's plan and destiny for my life. So what is the legacy? What is the passion? What is it that God's placed in your life? Because unless it's just completely evil, 
Maybe it's God is trying to, you know, birth something inside of you. And I want to encourage you as we pray at the end of the service. I'm going to pray that God's going to just kind of re-release some of those passions and destinies and ideas and dreams that he's had inside of you. Because it's quite possible that he wants to use those to build and extend his kingdom. Amen? And so, friend, I had so many things. I'm not going to go into more of that. But I just want to just end on the Mbono thing before I really talk to you about what I believe God's plan and purpose and legacies that I'm trusting him for. Is that I, we've seen God's hand over our business in incredible ways. We, we like to think that we're smart. We, we like to think that. And, and Andrew, thanks, bro. I'm gl- I, you know, I appreciate that. But I, but I realize that our smarts accounts for 0.001% of... When I look back at the last almost 20 years of Umbono, I realize that, yeah, yeah we, we may be smart in the way we approach things. And, well, you know, even that is a talent that God's given us, right? But when I just look at the way things have unfolded and how we've been trusting Him for various things, I look back and I go, God... No amount of smarts does that. Because God, ultimately, this is your providence and your blessing and your protection. And yes, Lord, keep us humble and keep us processing. But Lord, thank you for that. And so, you know, we, we had, um, I'll give you an example of just how, and you'll see why. One of the investments that we have is an investment called um, Ibubezi Gas. It's owned by a company called Sunbird Energy. It's off the west coast of South Africa. It's the most advanced gas deposit we have it is ready to go into production. What we, are the, what we are in the final stages of doing is signing what's called a gas sale agreement with ESCOM or, um, or develop an, an independent power producer so that we can, you know, because on the back of that you can fund it. So we've proven it's there. We've got the production license. All that's in place. Uh, it, doesn't need, it's, it doesn't have any of those fracking issues that everyone else is concerned about. It's there. It's ready to go. And so we're in that process. Now, how did we get this? Well, it was owned originally by a company called Forest Oil. And Forest had developed this, and it spent about $200 million on developing this gas field. It's a lot of money, right? And then Forest Oil got to a place where they said, we no longer want this uh, asset. We are going to focus on our North American stuff, and so we're looking to sell this asset. And sorry, they spent about $120 million. They then went to the market and they ran a process and they sold it for $200 million. And so this company bought it and it was all good, it was all rosy, except when it came to, you know, put the cash on the table and the company didn't have the cash. And so we entered the equation in December of uh, 2012. And they needed a solution for Ibubesi by the end of that month tax write-offs, etc. They needed a solution by the end of that month. Friends, we signed the documents and we acquired that deposit for one million US dollars. Now, you don't buy a $200 million asset for a million dollars, no matter how smart you are, right? If we had been part of the original process, we wouldn't have been able to even play because we didn't have 200 million US dollars. And so, friends, I look at this and I say, God, what is your plan and purpose with Ibubezi gas for this nation, for this continent, for your kingdom? And friends, it's been, a, it's been an ongoing kind of like process since then. And we've had our struggles, we've had our ups and downs. There's been investment decisions we've needed to make. And again, we're at the brink of a very critical investment decision. But again, I just see how God has protected us and loved us and worked us through. One example, about a year and a half ago, we needed to find, uh, we as Umbono needed to find $8 million 
to take our investment in Sunbird from 30% to 40%. And we couldn't come up with the money. And I was trying. I mean, Howard and Cooney and others will know. I was trying and knocking on all sorts of doors. And in the end, I had to just give up. But I had a sense in my heart that God was saying, don't worry. This is my part of my plan. A year later, we have an opportunity to move from 30% to 60% for 1 million US dollars. And so I look at this. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. I look at this and I say, God, you knew back then. And even though I was doing everything I could, your grace was sufficient to allow all of those to fail. I should have prayed a little bit more attention. Eh, Lord, I probably should have said, you know, it would have saved me a lot of kind of... But friends, God is good and God is grace. His grace is there and His grace is sufficient. And so friends, I want to wrap up and I want to say, so what is it? you know, that God is calling us to do. And what do our friend really believe that God is calling me to do? I believe that God is wanting to build and trust people with incredible wealth, right? Uh, but I believe he's looking for people that are not going to destroy themselves when he gives them that wealth. And I believe that's one of the main reasons, probably the main reason why there aren't so many incredibly wealthy people in the church. Because I believe God's saying, you will die if I gave you more than what you got now. And so friends, I believe that's a challenge to us. Because that's why God says in Luke chapter 12 verse 48, to whom much is given, much will be required. And in Luke chapter 16 verse 10, he says, um, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. But the second part of that verse says, that whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And so, friends, I believe God is raising up men and women, and He's saying, I'm going to trust you a little more each time, and I want you to be a faithful steward. Because I believe he would look, He's looking for men and women that He can say, I want to give incredible amounts of wealth, not so that you can buy yourself nice cars and nice houses, etc., only. I'm not saying that some people, people shouldn't have that. But I'm saying that I want to give people that kind of money so I can trust them to build my kingdom. And so I'm saying, Lord, help us, Lord Jesus. Let us be those men and women that you can trust to build your kingdom, that we can be stewards, not owners, but stewards of incredible wealth so that we can build your kingdom. Amen? And I'm so excited about what God's doing here. I'm trusting with you for that property. Amen? Hallelujah. That is a small thing for God. Amen? And when I just look at this place and I look at this venue and I just say, this makes so much sense. Lord, we're going to trust you for the small amounts of money you need for us to take that property. Amen. And so friends, I believe God's challenge is out there. Can he trust you with little? Because as he trusts you with little, he's going to be able to trust you with much. And so Lord, I pray that you'd use us in that way. And so, friends, I want to ask you a question. In order for us to truly extend God's kingdom, what do we need more of? Do we need more revivalists, those that can operate in the supernatural? Or do we need more reformers, those that can operate in wisdom and excellence? And I'm not going to ask you because it's a trick question. All right? Because, friends, when I look at the Word of God, I don't see people that uniquely operate as revivalists only and then just end up being stupid and dumb when they're kind of coming to execute God's judgment and God's justice. And I don't see people that operate in absolute excellence and wisdom 
without at the same time being full of the Holy Spirit and His power. Amen? And I, I, I just look at this, and so often, as you know, you'll find churches that go, this, man, this is what we need. And then you'll find other churches that go, yeah, but, you know, but this, this really is what we need. But friends, when I look at a man like Daniel, right, and we look at men like Joseph and Abraham, I mean, let's just look at Daniel. This guy knew how to operate in the Holy Spirit. This guy was a revivalist. This guy was operating in the supernatural. He didn't know how to walk for one minute of one day without kind of relying on the Holy Spirit to give him wisdom and give him insight and to operate in the supernatural. I mean, look at this. You don't sit for a night in a lion's den and negotiate with him, right? You trust in God that no matter what happens, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with you. Amen. His mates go through a fiery furnace. Their clothes aren't even smelling of smoke. Right? You don't negotiate with flames. You just say, hallelujah, Jesus. I know that's hot, but I know you're hotter. Amen. <laughs> you don't interpret dreams just because you're a smart guy. You say, Lord Jesus, exactly what does that writing on the wall mean? Lord Jesus, let me get the king's attention by telling him something that none of the other wise guys around him can tell him. Friends, I believe God wants us operating in this realm. And I'm saying, God, that's where I want to be. God, I want to be here every moment, every moment of every day. But friends, at the same time, I don't see Daniel just living on the left. I see Daniel and his mates. They get into those books, man. And they're studying the language and the literature and the culture of Babylon. And these guys aren't just studying it. They are studying it so well that when it comes to exam time, they are ten times smarter. All right, now they, they're Jewish boys, so two times would have been good, right? But ten times smarter? Come on, that, there's a bit of supernatural tied into that. But they're not supernatural to say, look, I'm not interested in the books. I don't care about that stuff because God, you're just going to, Holy Spirit's just going to show me. They said, no, Holy Spirit, help me understand these Babylonian arguments so that when I stand before the king, I can make his own arguments back to him to demonstrate how great and how powerful you are. And when I debate with all his guys, I understand where they're coming from. And Holy Spirit, you can show me where the errors in their logic is and their arguments. And we are going to be smarter in the way that we negotiate with them using their own tools. And so if you want to be, and if you believe God's called you to be the minister of finance in South Africa, you need to have gone to university to study some accounting, some finance, and then rely on the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, help me understand our debits and credits are going to change this nation. Right? Because that's what God's going to do. And so I see these guys, not only plugged in here fully, but plugged in here, and they have become ten times wiser. You know, friends, Daniel survived four kings. Four kings. When does that happen that slaves survive four different kings? And the last one, King Cyrus, Daniel discipled into building a code of human conduct and human ethics which forms the basis for the United Nations still today. Because Daniel discipled King Cyrus into what God's plan and purpose was for human rights. Right? So you might think, but man, I'm not the guy calling the shots. Sometimes I believe God doesn't want us to be the person calling the shots. Because it keeps us in a place of humility. 
Just like sometimes God doesn't want us to have all the wealth all the time right now because it keeps us in a place of trusting Him and making the best use of the money and the finances and the stuff and the resources He's given us. Sometimes He doesn't want us to have the most senior position, but He wants us to influence those in the most senior positions. Sometimes it's good not to be there because people aren't all trying to carry your favor. You're able to assess, God, what's going on here? What's happening? And you can see things often that the most senior person can't see. That doesn't mean God isn't going to call people to the most senior positions. But you don't have to wait till you're there in order to be who God's called you to be. Amen. And so, friend, this is the legacy I'm trusting God for. I'm saying, God, in Umbono, in my family, in the church, God, I pray that I might operate in this. Lord, I want to be one who is full of revival, full of your Holy Spirit, full of your power. One that is able to kind of say, Lord, you speak to me right now. But I want to be able to operate in excellence and love and wisdom. And that might mean I need to go back and study. That might mean I need to kind of get into stuff and really understand what's behind them. And understand what the implications are. So that I can use the Holy Spirit to guide me and lead me to bring about practical solutions. And so friends, I want to encourage you. I don't know where God's called you. I don't know what place He's put you in. But I want to encourage you and I want to encourage you to say, God, use me as a revivalist and use me as a reformer so that I might be one that is full of your spirit and full of your power, but full of wisdom too. That when I speak, people will know that I'm speaking with the very essence and the very will of God. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just come to you this morning. And we thank you, Father, that you are building your kingdom. We thank you, Father, that you ordained this moment from the very foundation of the world. You know you knew I would be here, and you knew every single person that would be here hearing and listening this morning. And so, Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning, and we say, Lord, speak to us. We say, Lord, challenge us. Lord, lead us and guide us. And so, friends, I want to ask you this morning. If as I've been speaking, if God's been speaking and challenging you, and God has been saying to you, I want you to stand up and trust me to operate as a transformation agent, to be someone that will be both filled with the Holy Spirit but filled with my wisdom and power. If that's you and that's what you're trusting God for, that you might leave a legacy, a legacy that's going to extend His kingdom, then I want you to stand because I'd like to pray with you. And we're going to trust God to take us deeper into Him in Jesus' name. And so, Lord Jesus, I just pray for every one of my friends, every one of my brothers and sisters that are standing here this morning. Lord, those dreams that you've placed in their heart, Lord Jesus, right now, right now, Lord, let them birth again. Let them germinate afresh. Lord, where they've become old, forgotten, and stagnant, maybe they've been packed under, under so much earth, but God, you are germinating those seeds right now. And little green shoots are beginning to grow. And so, Lord, we thank you for those dreams that are starting to grow and take root in their lives in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, as, that, as they do that, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, fill us with your power. Holy Spirit, more and more and more of you. Holy Spirit, more of you. And as we embrace this task and we work at this task, Lord, we know that we work as unto worship to you. And we trust you, Lord, that you will have the full release in our lives and that your kingdom will be built. In Jesus' name, amen.
We just give the Lord a hand and thank Dorian for that amazing word. You can be seated again. You know, we've said this many times, but we're only going to impact this country by impacting where the bulk of the country is. And that's not here. It will be. And we've said this often. The front lines of ministry are in the business realm. I remember when Dorian was saying that. We, we grew up in that culture that if you want to make a difference, you've got to become a pastor. We say to people, don't become pastors. Go get educated. Get into the highest places of influence. God has told Carol and I, and he's spoken it actually over our entire church, that we are going to have multimillionaires, billionaires in our churches so that they can have more influence in transformation. Some of you here are going to handle billions. And, you know, so many churches are like, oh, God, help us get through the day. No, we, we pray differently. That's why we make declarations over our giving that we change nations. Some people say, why are you praying over your offering that you'll change the nation? Because we're going to trust God that we'll have more finance than we need to make an impact, to start businesses, to start training people, education systems. That's what we want to do next door. Half of that property is set aside for education, for transformation, for getting people jobs, skills, etc. But some of you are called to be billionaires, millionaires. We have people in our church who speak into the highest levels of government. You don't know who they are, and I'm not going to tell you. We have people in our church who are handling billions. I want you to see yourself going higher. As Dorian has prayed for those dreams. But the front lines of ministry are where you go tomorrow. Seriously. People look at the pastors as the most spiritual. No, our job is purely to equip you. We equip the saints for the work of service. Who does the work? You guys. And I feel like there are two things that God laid on my heart. The one is, if you are in the marketplace, I'm going to ask Dorian to release the grace that God's given him as a minister and marketplace leader for your business to take off, for favor on you, for wisdom in your finances. And I want to ask him to release that grace that you go to the next level and beyond. And so if you're in the marketplace, you've got your own business, even if you're working for someone else, but you there, I want you to stand, and I'm going to ask Dorian to release that because he's got something on him that we've seen so many business people profit by his anointing that he releases. And so I'm going to ask for that impartation. And even if you trust him to be there, stand up. And I trust that God is going to do a miracle here. Some of you need a job, stand up. Some of you need a, a promotion, stand up. But receive an impartation that's going to make a difference. God doesn't give wealth for the sake of wealth. He gives wealth so we can transform nations. And He's going to do that. But He's going to give us wisdom so we can give Him glory in the process. Amen. Amen. As Pastor Andrew was speaking, I just sense God is going to release the same spirit that He released on Nehemiah. Nehemiah came before the king and he came with incredible, the king there with incredible favor. And the king said, go and do what you need to do. And then there was incredible wisdom and anointing and understanding. And I believe God is releasing that over each of you right now. And so, Lord, I pray for every single one of these marketplace ministers and leaders right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray for release of a fivefold office anointing over each and every one of them. Release apostles, release prophets, release evangelists, pastors and teachers into the marketplace, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that whatever they touch, wherever they step, like Joshua, 
you've gone ahead and you've given the ground to them. And so, Lord, I pray for a release right now. Those deals that are being negotiated, those, those difficulties that are, being, that are being processed. Lord, I pray for a release in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that those crooked paths will be made straight in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray for a fresh anointing over these marketplace leaders. We pray for wealth and prosperity to flow through them and into your kingdom in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. The second thing I felt like God wanted us to do is pray for Dorian and his business.